It would not be a stretch to read these gospel lessons that we've been reading the last few weeks and assume that Christianity is a zombie cult. There is so much talk of eating flesh and drinking blood that it becomes almost gruesome, right? And although we talk about the body and blood of Jesus a lot as Christians, um, just to be clear, we are not called to be zombies. It is a reminder that scripture is meant to be read in context, right? While our brains in 2018 go to episodes of The Walking Dead, the folk who Jesus was, was originally speaking to went to the way that God provided the manna in the wilderness to the wandering Israelites. The manna that God provided every day for the liberated Israelites was a key defining piece of the relationship between God and God's people to the Jewish community. At their core, they were a people who were sustained by the Most High. So how they heard the eating of Jesus' body and the drinking of Jesus' blood was not as cannibalistic, but rather that Jesus would be what sustained and nourished them, their daily bread. Jesus is the way that God has chosen to express love in the world. Jesus is the way that God has chosen to show us how to be human. Jesus is the way that God has unpacked all the teachings and revelation of teachers and prophets throughout history. Jesus. And as Jesus taught on this need for holy sustenance, the disciples realized a few things. Some of them realized that although Jesus may be God's choice to express love in the world, Jesus was not the gateway to victory and stardom that they had hoped. They had hoped that if they got on the bandwagon with this true Messiah, that they would eventually get a special reward of power, of privilege, of prestige. But Jesus told them instead that they would not get those things. They would be welcomed. They would be sustained by peace, filled with joy, covered in grace, and then they got to share it with everyone as equals. And not only that, but they would not have special protection against pain and suffering in the world. Not even Jesus was going to get out of the pain and suffering of the world. He kept reminding them over and over again that he was going to have to suffer, that he was going to have to die, that this was going to happen. And the disciples, like any human being ever, and like us, would have preferred to avoid the suffering and pain. Thank you very much. They, like us, would like to get a VIP Christian pass that we could flash whenever something bad is about to happen. Wouldn't that be cool? Doctor, stop right there. Before you tell me the biopsy was malignant, let me just show you my VIP Jesus pass. Or depression? I don't think so. You must have ignored my VIP Jesus badge. Hate? 
discrimination, anything, just flash it, go away like magic. It would also be helpful if it helped with things like getting good parking spots and good hair days. But as it turns out, the VIP Jesus Pass does not work that way. Rather than helping us conquer our enemies, it sets a table with them. Because as it turns out, they're also beloved children of God. Rather than always reversing the cancer diagnosis, it provides comfort and grace as we walk through the fear and unknowing and whatever comes next. Instead of getting us the good parking spots, it reminds us that perhaps we can be a little kinder and more generous in every step of life. That was and is a hard message. And our gospel text says that when the disciples fully understood what this meant, many of them could no longer continue on with Jesus. They left him. Jesus was not who they hoped he would be, and they went home and resumed their comfortable routines. Those who remained said it simply, Jesus, you have ruined us for any other way to live. Where on earth would we go after we have spent this time with you? After we have not only seen healing, but experienced it. You alone hold the words of eternal life. Philosopher Ken Wilber speaks to these two different expectations of religion. The first is where those disciples went that just really couldn't get a handle on this Jesus stuff. It's using religion as a means of comfort, to have, their, have people's lives more or less the same, but just better and with lots of blessings. The use of, that use of religion is really common, and it offers something to turn to on a dark day and a rule for life, but it really doesn't change from the inside out. But there's another way the way that the disciples who stayed felt. And as Wilbur writes, it goes far deeper. In a usually very, very small minority, he writes, religion can have the function of radical transformation and liberation. This function of religion does not fortify the separate self, but utterly shatters it. Not consolation, but devastation. Not entrenchment, but emptiness. Not complacency, but explosion. Not comfort, but revolution. In short, not a conventional bolstering of consciousness, but a radical transmutation and transformation at the deepest seat of consciousness itself. Total transformation in God's love. The disciples who stayed experienced this revolution of the soul. It is a disappointment that we don't get a VIP Jesus Pass. It really is. But I think that if we have eyes to see, we can see that what we get is even better. What we get is the shattering of meaninglessness. What we have as our inheritance is hope beyond human circumstance. If we could avoid all the inevitable sufferings of this world, it would be great. But instead, 
we get the supernatural, revolutionary love of Jesus that walks boldly beside us as we pass through the valley of the shadow of death and is a beacon of light even in the darkest trial. Living each day sustained by Jesus, we can know that we will be fed, whether in joy or pain. One of the things I love about being a Christian and about being a pastor and a chaplain is this hope. And in the hospital context, it takes on a different light. I'm not bound by the same rules as the doctors and nurses when it comes to healing and prognosis when I walk into the hospital. And it's really lovely. The medical community often looks at someone with a terminal diagnosis as a fail. And I'm glad they do that because I want them to keep us all alive. Thank you very much. Keep working on that and don't stop. But as Christians, we are able to walk into a room where the worst news is shared and still point to hope. Because we have access to supernatural grace and love. That's good news. That there is a way through always. Not around, not over, not a tranquilizer until the worst is over. A way through in Jesus' love. And no matter what the outcome, even if it looks like a human fail, and guess what, which is the biggest human fail of all time? The cross. It looks like a terrible failure to everyone. But we know. When we look at the cross, we see the hope of the resurrection. This, my siblings in Christ, is the VIP Jesus Pass. It's an invitation to have eyes to see and a voice to proclaim that hope is not lost, that it is never lost, that no one is unlovable, that grace always comes down, and that justice is truly possible. And Paul encourages us in the epistle this morning to wake up every day proclaiming this good news as if we were at war. He reminds us that we are not to be pitted against one another. We're not at war with other people. We're not at war with someone who has a different idea of who God is. We're not at war with someone who has a different political idea than we do. We're not at war even with someone who harms us. We're at war with the evil of our time. With the darkness of hate with the insidiousness of unforgiveness, with all of the things that threaten to try to rise one above another, because we all come to this table together as beggars looking for bread. And Paul reminds us that every day we get a new chance to show God's love. And he encourages us to literally wear our faith Like the armor of God in this holy scramble for peace. The SWAT team stuff, right? These kids have these costumes and all the different pieces of breastplate to protect our hearts. Truth holding it all together around our waist as a belt. A helmet of salvation to protect our thoughts and as a reminder of God's saving work, the shield of faith that is gifted to us by God, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word. But my favorite part of this holy outfit 
is my favorite part of any outfit, and that is the shoes. The shoes that Paul encouraged us to wear is whatever shoes make us most comfortable to proclaim the gospel of peace. This doesn't mean we have to make to wear orthopedics, praise God, or anything specifically comfortable or practical necessarily. This is just a reminder to be ourselves. Shoes tell a lot about someone. It expresses, our, expresses who we are, our style, our sense. Shoes can be subdued or flashy, comfortable or fun, functional or flamboyant. And I have friends who really feel most comfortable in high heels. Like, no joke. I'm shocked by it, but they really do. Others who wear flip-flops in December, which I could not do. But again, they feel most comfortable in that. Others wear running shoes everywhere they go. This call to wear whatever makes us most comfortable is a beautiful honoring of our individuality and the amazing gifts that we all bring to the body of Christ. We celebrate these differences as we live in our VIP Jesus Pass. Not around, not over, not tranquilized until the worst is done, but through it to beautiful transformation. To whom, after all, can we go? We have received the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know the Holy One of God. Amen. Let's stand together and sing Blessed Assurance. It's number 683.